Go ahead and take your seats. Morning, everybody. Thanks, Rich. How you guys doing? Good. There we go. I got a couple little response there. Man, it's a short little passage. There's a lot of great stuff in here. So, any Office fans in here? I got a couple. I don't know if you guys remember the episode where the people are sharing an inside joke and Michael Scott, the, the, the oaf of a boss, is like, oh, an inside joke. I'd, I'd love to be inside of one sometimes. He's always on the outside looking in. He wants to get in with people, but he, he can't. I, I got another story like that. One time, my wife and I were driving back. I can't remember what, I can't remember when we were coming back. We were coming back from something. We lived in Nebraska, and we're on the, it was a Sunday, or a Saturday, rather, which should have been our tip-off, and as we're driving to our home in Kearney, Nebraska, every single car we pass has flags on it. Nebraska, Cornhuskers, a lot of red, white flags, also black, because it's a blackout Sunday, apparently. And we were like, where are all these people going? Why are there so many people on the road? I came to find out later that in Nebraska on on a football Saturdays, the third biggest city would be the Memorial Stadium. There's Omaha, Lincoln, and Memorial Stadium is the third largest collection of people. So on the freeway, I'm like, where are all these people going? What are they doing? They're going to the football game. I'm on the outside, and I have no idea what's going on, and all these people are ready to have an awesome Nebraskan Saturday, because that's what you do, right? In, your, in Nebraska, what else is there to do? So the point I want you guys to see, though, is that there's this exciting event, and I had no idea about it going on because I didn't watch Huskers football. I, I was totally excluded from this. So the message I want you guys to see today from this passage is I want you to see that Jesus offers us his blessing, and I want you to see that it can and should be yours. The title I have is Christ's Blessing and How to Get It. I want this to be a super practical sermon. What's Christ's blessing? How does he divvy it out? How can we get a hold of it? Christ's blessing and how to get it. Let me give you the argument. Here's where we're going today. Jesus blesses us with himself, which guarantees us joy, power, grace, and eternal life. So I'm going to say it again. We're going to look at how Jesus gives us himself. And the fact that Jesus gives us himself guarantees that we get joy in our life, that we can live powerful, impactful lives, that we enjoy grace, and that we will be with him forever. That's the direction we're going, okay? Let me pray real quick. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are a resurrected savior. And so we can receive your blessing today. God, would you give us courage? Maybe actually, would you give us desperation to ask for that blessing? I pray we'd feel on the need of your blessing so much that we'd get over ourselves and our pride and our image and what people think about us and that we would just lay ourselves out and say, God, I need the blessing of Jesus. Thank you, God, that you promise the contrite, the broken heart, you welcome. Give us broken hearts so we can receive the full measure of your blessing today. Open the scriptures so we can see it. So let's look at this passage, starting with, it, it 
so short. There's, it's like, this is, the, this is the ending of the book, and Luke gives us like three little verses. What are they here for? The, the first thing we should know is that Luke is unlike the other gospels and how they end. Now, Mark, is, Mark is, has probably the most abrupt ending. We don't know exactly the ending of Mark. We have the oldest copies of Mark we have probably end with the disciples getting to the empty tomb and being like, and that's the end of the book. Like, that's a cliffhanger, right? But the, it, Luke is a little different. Matthew ends with the um, Great Commission, right? When Jesus tells us what to go do, go baptize, go preach about my name, baptize the people in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He gives us a command, right? Um, in Luke alone, we have the ascension story. John doesn't go here either. So Luke wants us to see something in the ascension that the other gospel authors aren't focusing on. I think it's really cool that if you actually look at the gospels, <coughs> the names were just kata John, kata Luke. Kata means like according to or by. So these gospels are all just different ways that the apostles are trying to get us the story. John tells us why. He says, I've written these things so you may have life in Jesus' name. Every gospel does that. And so Luke thinks you're going to have life in Jesus' name more if somehow you can see what's going on in the ascension. So that's our goal today. How can we see the ascension so it gives us something new and worthwhile? Now, the first thing to note is it says, then he led them out as far as Bethany. Now, John mentions that, that Jesus, his final speeches on the Mount of Olives. Bethany's very close. It's about two hours, uh, two hours, about two miles away from the Mount of Olives. So it looks like they go past Bethany and to the Mount of Olives. Why do they include this? Why not say he went to the Mount of Olives? Why do they mention Bethany? Bethany is a very important place for Jesus' ministry. Bethany is where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. So Jesus' resurrection from the dead of Lazarus happened right in Bethany. How about another one? When Mary, the, when, uh, when, uh, Mary the, the prostitute broke her vial of perfume on Jesus' feet, happened in Bethany. You sensing a theme? In Bethany, we actually know a little bit about this from archaeology. Bethany was the site of an Essene compound. Now, if you've never heard the Essenes before, they're basically a a utopian peasant movement. Like you're thinking like, a, I don't know, like the Shakers or Oneida, or maybe you've heard of like, a, I don't know, Heaven's Gate or something. They're a utopian movement of people who got together and said, we don't want to live under the Romans anymore. We don't like Jerusalem elite. We got to get away, get into the wilderness where we can obey the law of Moses and do the right thing. So the people who live in Bethany are mostly broke, mostly peasants that don't have anything, but they're there to follow the law of God. And that's where Jesus goes. That's where Jesus spends a lot of his ministry, is working with the people, searching to follow God. So there's one hint. Where does Jesus bless and ascend from? The place where people are desperately seeking God. If you're desperate, you're in a great spot this morning. Now, relatedly, Bethany, the name itself gives us a clue. Beth means house in Hebrew. Bethany literally means the poor house or the house of affliction. How do we see Jesus as blessing and ascension? If you're living in the poor house, Jesus is here for you. The Bible is full of these images, isn't it? If you're doing great, if you're riding high, if you've got everything you need, the Bible doesn't have a lot to offer. But if you're needy and hungry, if you're in the poor house, 
That's where Jesus passes right by your life. You're tracking with me here? I want you to see the thread. So he goes through Bethany onto Mount Olives, under the Mount of Olives. And I think we can even ask, what would it have been like to be an Essene and meet Jesus? This is not, this is not an idle question. Um, there's a good chance that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were Essenes before they met Jesus. They're a part of this community trying to enact the law of Moses. But let's be honest. Have you guys read the Pentateuch? Is it easy to keep the law of Moses? It's impossible. There's so many laws and rules and regulations. Why do we not talk about the Essenes anymore? Like, do you, have you met any Essenes lately? Why do you think they're gone? It's because the Essenes... And Bethany met Jesus and said, I thought I had to fulfill the law. I just want him. That's the thing I need to please God is him. So the power of seeing Jesus go by Bethany is that it encourages us. If we're afflicted, if we're searching for God but don't know how to get there, just watch. Jesus is right there by our side. He's leading us. He's gentle. So if you're in the house of the poor today, that's good. That's the place to be to meet Jesus. Lifting up his hands, it says, verse 50, he blessed them. What is the blessing of Jesus? What is he offering? Well, first off, actually, before I say that, let's talk about how do we, how does the blessing even happen? How is it possible? The blessing hands of Jesus are the pierced hands of Jesus. So how do you get the blessing of Jesus? Because he took the curse for you, right? There's no blessing for us from Jesus unless his crucifixion actually solved our sin problem. You with me? If we're dead in our sins and Jesus didn't die for us, what blessing does he have to offer? There's no blessing if we're dead in our sins. Paul even says, if Christ didn't die, if Christ wasn't resurrected, we're dead, we're, we're, we're host. Maybe I shouldn't say host on the, on the podcast, whatever. <laughs> like, that's the word. We're in trouble if this isn't true. But because Christ was crucified, he took the curse we deserved. His pierced hands touch us with blessing. You get the exchange there? Jesus takes our sin, we get his blessing. So the beauty of the pierced hands that he blesses with in verse 50 is you know it's gonna work because they're pierced. What if Jesus wasn't stricken? And he just said, you're a pretty good guy. I'll help you out. That doesn't fix, I'll use a big word right now, our ontological problem. The nature of Josh Rice's being is I'm broken and I'm messed up. And I need radical transformation, and you do too. If Jesus gave me a, keep at it, buddy, that's not much of a blessing because it doesn't fix my problem. I mean, like, if I give $5 to a homeless person, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, we should, but if I give him five bucks and say, hey, good luck, pal, see you later, how much have I actually done anything for him? Have I fixed the issues in his life, that, that $5 won't do anything compared to what's needed. If Jesus just gave us a blessing with unpierced hands, he's just saying, gambate, Japanese, keep working, keep at it, keep going. That doesn't help me because I'm messed up. I need a transformation in my spirit. And Jesus, by his pierced hands, proves I've done the work for you. 
So the pierced hands that bless, are you tracking with me? Give us confidence that actually the transformation we need is in Jesus. The, the, the change in our life, the change in our character, the change in our hopes. What are your dreams in? What are you looking forward to in the future? If Jesus' hands are pierced, there's a future for you full of blessing. So that's the first thing to see is he blesses them with pierced hands. So therefore that blessing is possible. We can receive. I was reading uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon's sermons earlier today, or yesterday rather, and I don't know if you guys know this, you've probably heard us quote Spurgeon before, he's sometimes called the Prince of Preachers, he's awesome. I had no idea, but in 1856, in the first couple months of starting his, his ministry in London, during a service, someone screamed, there's a fire. The balcony's going to collapse. I'd never read this before. And all these people started stampeding to the exits. And something like 16 people were trampled to death. And so Spurgeon's screaming from the stage, there's no fire, it's fine, stop running. And people don't heed his warning. And a bunch of people die. And, and Spurgeon spent basically two weeks completely depressed. Out of his, if you read what, what some people said, out of his reason, unable to like handle the fact that at the beginning of his ministry, all these people died in a stampede. How could he go on? And I just happened to read a, his sermon on this passage, which he preached about 10 years later. And he said, the reason why I'm doing this, why I'm preaching today, is because one of the men who was trampled to death, he called out while dying on the ground. He deserves all excellence. Like something, that's my paraphrase. He's saying, Christ is above all things. He, he shouts in his death, being stampeded by this stupid, you know, whoever shouted fire. He's actually seeing and sensing the glory of Jesus in his sad and tragic death. And Spurgeon says, that's why I'm preaching today. Because something happened to this man that when he's trampled, he's not angry at the world, but he's actually saying, look at how good things are. Christ is mine. He's exalted above all things. That man could die with joy. And Spurgeon says, that's why I'm still here today. My ministry should be defunct, but I'm still here because that's the thing I preach. Christ exalted, glorified. Okay? So this is the other thing about those pierced hands. Because Christ died, because he was resurrected, because he's seated on high, pierced hands now hold the scepter. The Bible tells us that Christ now rules the whole universe according to the word of his power. So think about this, guys. Do you worry about God being your judge? The Bible tells us your judge is the one who bled out for you. If I went to a courtroom, let's pretend I've gotten involved in a small, small claims case, right? If I went into the courtroom and the judge sees the guy on the other bench says, hey, Bob, how you doing? And the judge starts talking with the other attorney or client for 10 minutes, hobnobbing about their golf game. I'm thinking, oh no, <laughs> am I going to get a, a fair hearing? No way, because he's a partial judge. Now, don't think God is a partial judge. Scripture tells us he's not. But hear what I'm saying here. I know the affections of my judge. My judge died and bled out for me. Can I trust him to give me a good judgment? Of 
course I can, because he already proved he'd do anything and everything to bring me close to him. So the message of the pierced hands as he's going to heaven, his blessing is that Jesus holds all authority. So you don't have to worry about combating God. Oh, I'm good enough. You got to accept me. He died for you. Do you think there's anything you can do to change his opinion about you? Stop trying so hard. Jesus has already died and given, given the full measure of his love for you. That judge died and will not let you down. Our judge and our king died for us. I want you to get here. So this is a thing that these blessed hands show is that pierced, they now hold the authority. Hebrews tells us he rules the whole universe with his power. The power that holds the universe died for you. That should give us real hope. Verse 51, while he blessed them, he parted from them. Now, I was reading this and it just suddenly struck me. Jesus doesn't leave until he begins the blessing. I'm gonna go one other place in scripture. You guys may remember this. This is Genesis 32. I'm, I'm not gonna read it. I'm just gonna tell you the story. In Genesis 32, Jacob is with his family and he is afraid that they're going to get wiped out by his brother. And so he separates them by, the, by a river to try to keep his family safe. And he's left alone. And he's going to have to wait until morning to see. Are we going to be attacked? Is my family going to be wiped out? This is Genesis 32. I'll read just a couple of verses. Jacob was left alone. If you want to meet God, by the way, quick tip, get alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, the man touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then the man said, let me go for the day is broken. Morning's come. The wrestling match is over. <laughs> Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Do you see the connection? Jesus won't leave until his blessing's been applied. The stance of Jacob should be our stance if you want Jesus. Jacob, having wrestled all night with this man, and it, 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 theologians call this a Christophany. This is not a man. This is Jesus. It's the same thing when Joshua meets a guy, the leader of the army of the Lord. <laughs> it's like Jesus keeps appearing in the Old Testament. In this story, though, Jacob wrestles with this man. And he realizes, I'm wrestling with someone so powerful, he takes people's hips out of their sockets by touching it. And he won't let go unless he gets a blessing. <laughs> How do you demand a blessing from a person with that power? It's because Jacob sensed in that match, this man is for me. This man loves me. This man is on my side. So my, part of the message we see here, back in our passage, while he blessed them, he parted. Jesus will not leave you until he blesses you. But Jesus will not depart from his blessing because his blessing is himself. Let me say that again if that was confusing. Jesus will not leave until he blesses you. But the greatest blessing Jesus can give you is his presence. So if he blesses you, are you ever going to be left alone? That's why Jesus says, I'll never leave you alone. I'll never forsake you. Because if Jesus gives you anything, 
He gives you the best, and he give you, if he gives you the best, he gives you himself. And if he gives you himself, he won't ever abandon you. Do you see the, the, the train of thought there? Jesus has never given partial gifts. He never gives lackluster prizes. Jesus only gives everything, and he always gives it all the way, and he never takes it back. Are you... You guys follow me here? This is the way Jesus gives because he's a prodigal giver. He's not like us. I give my $5 and that's all I offer. Jesus gives himself and he keeps giving it over and over and over again. The, the gospel message, one of the things that changed the way I think about preaching was probably about maybe seven, eight years ago. I was arguing with my brother about some theological point and I realized that, I still struggle with doing it well, but uh, I realized that when I preach too often, I'm trying to convey information. And the message you need to hear to be saved is the message you need to hear to stay in Christ because the message is the exact same. If you've been in Jesus Christ for 65 years, the message is he died for you, trust in him. If you are not sure about this Jesus, let me give you the hook. Jesus died for you trust in him. The story is always the same. It's never changed. And the reason why it won't change is because Jesus' blessing is himself. You want him, you get him. You want him after 30 years of faithful walk, you get him. You want him after 30 years of wandering and wasting your life, you get him. The only way Jesus comes is if you get him all the way, forever. So this is why he leaves after the blessing. It, actually, I shouldn't say after. While he blessed them, I looked this up in the Greek to make sure I had the tense right. It, it, the, the tense is continuing. So it's literally saying he's blessing them in their parting. So Jesus doesn't say, da -da, all right, peace out. He doesn't bless and then leave. He keeps the blessing while he leaves. Now we know from John, the gospel of John tells us, Jesus actually says, it's better that I go or else the helper, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. So Jesus' blessing continues and it's doubled down on when Jesus comes to live in our hearts in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' blessing not only keeps coming, but it indwells in us so we can hear his voice at all times in the Holy Spirit. If you look at, in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 7 or Hebrews 8, Hebrews talks about the fact that there's been a bunch of high priests in Israel who kill sacrifices, kill animals to um, pay for our sins, and I, again, it's Hebrews 7, I believe. And he, the author of Hebrews says, but there's a new high priest who never stops the sacrifice because he has an inextinguishable life. All the previous high priests, they offer a sacrifice and they go home and they keep offering it. And one day they're dead and you got to pick a new high priest and he's got to keep doing the sacrifices. Jesus did one sacrifice. It's still being applied and this high priest never dies. So you're never wondering... Is the new high priest going to do a good job? Is he going to sacrifice it right? Is God going to accept it? Uh, no. Jesus is still ruling and reigning on high. So his one sacrifice is still being applied to you. His blessing keeps coming. His mercy keeps coming to you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is a good time to adopt the Jacob posture. If you're like, I don't know if I've ever felt that way about God, you need to beg for the blessing. You need to ask, Jesus, I don't think I believe this is true about you, or, or I don't think I've ever felt it like that before. Beg him for the blessing, because he says, 
Knock and the door will be open. If you're saying, just give me a blessing. I, I, I don't know why I'm here at Outward Church today, but I need something in my life. Keep begging because he always says yes. Paul says, everything is yes in Jesus. Because any good thing you've asked God gets a yes in Jesus Christ. And any bad thing gets the proper yes. Have you ever asked for something God withholds from you and you look back later and say, oh man, I'm so glad he didn't give that to me. That's what it means when Paul says you only get yeses from Jesus. The only thing he gives is good. Jesus offers his hands while he blessed in extended blessing. Can he curse you now? It's impossible. That's not what he does. So the encouragement is if you trust in Jesus the tiniest little bit, you get to receive the full measure of his blessing because that's how he gives. Worship. While he blessed them, he parted from them, was carried up into heaven. I could talk more about heaven here, but we already talked about his authority. I guess I'll give you, I'll give you 30 seconds. When it says he's going up into heaven, where does God rule? Where does God reign? In heaven, the reason why Jesus goes up is to show he's the boss. He's the authority. He's in charge. Why do we honor and glory and worship him? Because he's the king. Okay, next point though. And they worshiped him. This word, proskinesantes, uh, the Greek word worship, um, Mark uses it a lot, Matthew uses it a lot, Luke only uses it three times. Two times is the battle between Jesus and Satan in the, in the wilderness, and Satan says, you worship me, and I'll give you everything you want. Jesus says, uh, scripture says, and he quotes scripture using the word worship. This is the only time, other than that, that exchange, that Luke uses the word haven't the disciples been marveling at Jesus? Like, we, you guys, we've gone through Luke, right? They'll be blown away. They'll be amazed. They'll be speechless. They'll say, wow. But you know what they can't do yet? Until now, they haven't worshiped. Because Luke realizes, this is what he's trying to get us to see, I think, that from all these previous points, they've been amazed and flabbergasted, you know, put in your other fun words here. They've been, you know, shocked by Jesus' power and his authority. But this time, they see him being lifted up in glory and they say, now I know who he is for sure. And all the doubts that have plagued them, the entire stinking book are gone because they know who he is. So this is the power as Jesus ascends in blessing. His blessing is that they know who he is. You following me? When you know who Jesus is, that's the blessing. It's like what he says in, in John where he, where he says, it's like when Moses lifted up the serpent in the, the desert, you look and you live. That's what happens here. They see him moving up and they say, he's God, he's worthy of honor and glory. They finally get to worship rightly. I, I said we can see power today. This is the end of the passage. The worshiping God they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Who is the temple? If you've been in the church a little while, you probably know we say Jesus is our temple, right? So why do they go to the temple? Because that temple doesn't do anything anymore. I actually have an encouragement for us. What's happening is these men have been so transformed by Jesus that they go right back to their regular lives, 
full of joy and power. So these men, as good, faithful Jews, they go back to the temple. They participate with their Israelite brothers. But the difference is they now know this temple, just a building. We met the real temple and always God receives worship there. This is not like the old temple where only the high priest can go in, right? Only on certain days of the year. You have to have a certain type of sacrifice or it doesn't count. This temple, Jesus always receives our offering, right? He always receives our prayers. He always pays for our sins to God every time. And so they go back to the temple to tell everybody about it. You know, Luther you probably heard this before. Uh, Martin Luther said one time, the Christian shoemaker doesn't make his shoes Christian by putting little crosses on them. He does it by making the best shoes that God gives him the power to make. His job to be a great shoemaker is to be a really good shoemaker in Jesus' name. So if you're a carpenter, do really good work. If you're a, a teacher, love on the kids. You don't need to do anything different because they didn't. They went right back to Jerusalem right back to their regular lives, but they did it with great joy, blessing God. I kind of want to return to where I started this morning. What does it mean to see glory in something? What does it mean to be flabbergasted or amazed by something? Because that's where we end up with here. They're full of great joy, they're in the temple blessing God. You know you've seen glory when you can't stop talking about it. So when people talk about Ukraine and their struggle for independence against Russia, why do we talk about it? Because it's important. It's got weight. That's a type of glory. I think it's really important. I'm thinking of a, a we lived in Missouri. I guess enough, another football story, sorry. Um, we were living in Missouri, I think it was 2011 or 2012, uh, Mizzou beat number one ranked Alabama. And for like six days, Mizzou was ranked number one in the nation. Let's not talk about any football in Missouri since that point. But, but there was like this one week where everyone would not shut up about it. And I can remember all the people who lived downtown could hear the stadium roaring at the end of the game because everyone couldn't stop talking about how amazing this was. This is what the glory of Jesus is like. Why can they go back to Jerusalem, go back to the temple, and be full of joy and power doing nothing unusual, just living their lives? It's because they've seen something so glorious, it's transformed them, it's changed them. Christ's blessing, I'm gonna conclude with this thought. I wanna unpack it, but I wanna conclude here. I told you Christ's blessing is himself. Christ's blessing is his divine character and presence poured into your life. Jesus gives us himself and all the things that come with him. Are you struggling at work to be kind to a really irritating coworker? There's an app for that. <laughs> There's a way to solve that. Jesus' divine character. Because Jesus' divine character comes with his person and his presence. So the things you need in your life today are provided by his character. Do you feel alone or abandoned or don't know where to go? Jesus provides you his presence so you're never alone. 
Do you feel like you can't handle the sins that are, that are holding you down or that there's something God's calling to you that you can't match up to? Jesus is all authority. He's got it covered. So wherever you are today, whether you're in real need personally or you're struggling with something outside yourself or you don't know how God's gonna provide financially, because he's king and because the king who holds the scepter bled out for you, do you think you'll get enough? Do you think he'll take care of you? The reason why Jesus, in, earlier in, in Luke, I think he talks about Matthew too, he says, look at the lilies of the field, look at the birds. It's because he's saying, have I ever let creation down? I died for you. Do you think I'm not gonna hold up my end of the bargain? The beauty of knowing Jesus is that because he's promised us himself, every single thing we need for life comes through him into our lives. All we have to do is ask. Can I beg you? And this is, guys, this is totally for me too. Uh, Laura and I, were, we found out we're leaving for Japan on May 6th. So things are getting super real right now. And I'm overcome with the fact that I love the English language and I can use it. And I can't do it with the fact that I love the English language crap in Japanese. I feel really unable right now. But the Bible tells me only gives me good gifts. He only gives me blessing. He only gives me exactly what I need. And that's true for you. So wherever you are, all you need is more Jesus. If you've never trusted in him today, come up and tell somebody. If you're feeling convicted, if you're feeling like, I need to have the thing that Josh is talking about, come up and talk to somebody on the worship team or come talk to me or Matt and say, I gotta have the thing you're talking about. If you need it, be like Jacob and say, I am not leaving this building until I get God's blessing. Because the promise in scripture is you get it. Name another thing like that. Name another thing in your life that if you beg, you get it. There's nothing else like that. But Jesus always, always answers the desperate, the brokenhearted, the hurting. So if you come to Jesus and all you say is, I can't handle not having you, you're in like Flynn. You're right where you need to be. That's so cheesy. I don't know where that came from. Christ's blessing is his divine character as presence poured into your life. And you can have it for the asking today. The one thing you cannot do, I'm gonna give you a warning. The one thing you may not, must not do is try to get in on your own. Are you trying to be good? Trying to hitting sins? Trying to impress some people about what a good person you are? Stop, brother, sister. That's the way to stay out. <laughs> Scripture tells us that everything's centered around Jesus so that way no man can boast. That's what Ephesians 2 says. Because otherwise, I'd say, well, I'm a missionary, right? Or I'd say, I don't know, I'm a good carpenter. Well, like, we're humans. We're so stupid. We'll find the dumbest things to be excited about. I was a great quarterback in high school. Like, we find the stupidest things to be excited about and Jesus will not have that. He says, if you want me, make me the center and I'll be the cornerstone of your life. So the way in is to lay every other thing down and say, I'm standing here and I will not move until I get your blessing. Brothers, sisters, we're gonna take the elements band if you wanna come up.